So I want to welcome everyone that is joining us today for this podcast. It is my great honor um, that you're not going to hear me rambling today. <laughs> you get to hear from some very special friends of mine that I would like to introduce to you. I'm Rose and Kevin Sambrook. I'm really not sure what to categorize you as. <laughs> I personally believe when we have Jesus, we can be all things, Amen. but I would say Amen. prophet, pastor, apostle, <laughs> evangelist, teacher, all apply, um, but very faithful and humble servants of the Lord is probably the best way I know how to describe you. So you're only going to hear their voices, but do not be deceived by their um, mild manner or their um, humble response to answers. They are powerful leaders in the kingdom. And I won't tell on you, but I know you sit at some of the most influential tables, really internationally. Uh, you run with some very influential people, but as long as I've known you all, I have to search those things out. I never <laughs> hear them from you, um, but but you are definitely world changers. Um, and I was um, just really privileged to go to Northern Ireland mm -hmm. with the Sandbrooks. We uh, met here in the States, but uh, they opened an invitation because I desired to go. And for those of you that know me or have ran with me any length of time, you remember how life-changing mm -hmm. that trip was for me. In fact, it's so embarrassing to admit, but I didn't even know who Reese Howells was before mm -hmm. that trip. Yeah. Um, and ended up in his blue room and having oh, just yeah. a life-changing oh, encounter. Um, and it was where I encountered the thin places. Mm -hmm. I can only say the only other time I ever felt what I felt in Northern Ireland was when I've gone to Israel. Yes. And that's how I went out to explain it. It was um, something that went past my mind to my spirit. Um, and I told the students a funny story. It's the only international trip I've ever gone on that my suitcase didn't make it, yeah. ever. <laughs> Not right. one day of the trip. No. And y'all had to take me shopping for right. everything, toothpaste, <laughs> everything. clothes, pajamas. Um, but it didn't matter. I think I wept every day everything. at the presence of the Lord. So our hearts were just knit together. Yes. And, um, you know, for the future, mm -hmm. they will be taking me to Scotland. Yes. And I cannot wait to go to the Wells of the Habernese Revival and yes. see the coronation stone mm -hmm. during this monarch movement. So I'm very excited. But they're in the States now, and we wrote them in to come to the church, and they've spoken there. They'll be speaking Wednesday night, and they've spoke to our students. But I convinced them to come in here for a <laughs> podcast because— there's just so much wisdom. And so whether you're a mom watching and are listening or a student or especially leaders, um, there's so much to learn. And what I've always been told is liquid. You know, you can only pour with gravity. You know, mm -hmm. something has to flow wow. up, down. Yes. This is truly a couple that can pour into leaders um, because they sit at a very high place. And I have always found that in my life, you have poured into me. Yesterday, as we had a wonderful cup of tea <laughs> at did. the Genesis House of tea. Wonderful cup of tea, you poured into me. So um, I just want to welcome you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. And we'll jump right in. Um, I just want this to be a casual uh, but anointed conversation from your heart, really about what's been steering our conversation. Mm. Um, again, whether you're a student or you're a leader, we're in such unique times. Yes. Um, I know our nation you feel called really as a prayer burden, a prophet even to our nation. Our nation's in a critical place. And uh, we were in noon prayer last week, the week before, and the Lord so burdened my heart that many times when we see the problems of our nation, we blame politicians or mm -hmm. sinners or political parties. Um, and the Lord really arrested my heart. And he said, Devin, the devil isn't that strong. No. He's not strong enough to take a nation. Mm -hmm. He said, the devil isn't that strong. The church is just that weak. Mm. Wow. And that 
if the leaders, specifically the mm. leaders of the church, would step to the plate and really step in unity. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are stepping to the plate, but our hearts are not unified. That that's what would shift our nation. And, mm-hmm. and so that led us to many conversations about how God is, is sifting leadership in this nation. Um, even in the recent election that we just had in um, the House mm-hmm. um, in, in Washington, it was, it was a representative no one had ever really heard of, which I'm glad you told me the story as a God-fearing man. Yes. And we're seeing that in the kingdom too. And that unfortunately, some voices that have been out there for a while, you know, we're seeing that there's a shifting of the guard. And as a mom, mm. as a mentor of students, I find myself always balancing mm-hmm. as I'm teaching what is the difference between personal morality and the operation of gifts? And what do you do when people can have a platform, but they may not have the personal relationship? Mm-hmm. And what do we do in a nation where, unfortunately, the body of Christ in some areas has experienced corruption or mm-hmm. compromise or disunity? And so um, I just kind of want to open that discussion um, about for leaders, mm-hmm. um, about walking in their anointing, but walking in character mm-hmm. and integrity. Um, and a leader, a wise leader, once told me the anointing will take you places, but character keeps you there. So and how, as as kingdom leaders, can we not just display our gifts and and lose our soul? Mm. And and how can we balance both? Mm. So I'll let you start, and I might interrupt with a couple more questions. <laughs> sure. Well, it's firstly, quite the topic. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We're so blessed to be here, yeah. Pastor Devon. We really uh, are. Thank you for taking such good care of us, and uh, it's a delight always to be here at RTTM. It is. I mean, obviously, this is the topic of of the season. I say because I remember last year, the prophetic word of the Lord was about exposure, and then this year for the new year ahead, the Lord said, "I haven't." He actually said, "This I haven't finished sweeping the stage clear," and that was quite. And then He said, "Be prepared for the headlines." And I was like, oh, that's like an ouch, hallelujah, because we don't want the headlines. We want to see leaders, particularly in the body of Christ, walk with integrity, walk with character, godly character, and display the kingdom, you know, and have unity and diversity. We shouldn't all be clones. So I was reminded this morning, I actually was talking to the class just before we came here, and I read a quote from Margaret Thatcher, who was a prime minister in the UK, and she said this, Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, because they become your character. Wow. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Wow. And I thought, my goodness me, this woman, she was something else. She was quite the strong lady. She was, she was called the Iron Lady, because she was very definite. And, and then she said this, we will stand on principle, or we will not stand at all. Mm. You know, and, and I think we have to look at what we're truly believing in. We have to believe what we're preaching and walk in it. And that is the challenge for mm. today. It is. You know, I, I think that the first place we have to locate the issue of character and how we maintain it and develop it is in the context in which we live. We live in a hostile environment, and yet it's certainly not defeatist mm-hmm. uh, because when we look at Isaiah 60, the first three verses... Say, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Uh, and that's fabulous. But the context is darkness in the world, gross darkness of the mm-hmm. people. So I think that should alert us to something that um, 
I think the old saying is the price of peace is vigilance. Mm. You have to be vigilant. Yeah. And I, I think that whenever uh, a Christian, be they young or seasoned, um, experienced or relatively new, comes to that place where they think they've got it all together, I'm so mindful of the scripture that says, when you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Wow. So I, I think there is a healthy place of immunity uh, from falling, uh, being susceptible to Satan's snares and temptations, traps. And that place is the fear of the Lord. Mm. And where there's the absence of the fear of the Lord, not only is there the absence of wisdom, but there's an extreme vulnerability. And so you said it the other day, Rose, you know, each of us is only one step away from falling. Absolutely. Which then brings us to the place actually in our walk with the Lord that we have to place our feet, metaphorically speaking, very intentionally and with an awareness actually that there are snares and pitfalls all around us. Mm. And Jesus did say, behold, I give you authority to trail on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But I think Satan conducts a, a war by space. So he'll give a believer a huge amount of space that creates the illusion that actually I've got this and I'm in a good place and I'm very well protected. And then the guard starts to come down, the, the carelessness starts to creep in, the flippancy, the, the familiarity which ble breeds contempt starts to uh, manifest itself, but not necessarily um, perceptibly in the minds of the person that's being afflicted in that way. And then just when Satan uh, has that person in a place of complacency, which they equate to confidence, then he springs into action. And there's nothing in reserve. There's no foundation that's solid. The weeds have sprung up and it's very unstable. And we see so many casualties mm -hmm. because of a lack of vigilance. And Jesus said, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. And I think the danger as we move in this Christian journey, the wiser we become, in some ways, the more vulnerable we can be because we equate our wisdom with a place of safety. Oh. And then actually foolishness starts to slip in. So if, if we can come to that place where we say, okay, we're called to live with extreme light in the place of extreme darkness, that calls for constant vigilance a humility that says, I don't have it all together. Mm. Uh, I'm not in a, the safest place that I could be. I want to press into that. I have to have an attending fear of the Lord. And that means actually we do weeding daily. We keep short accounts and there's no landing strip for the enemy. Accountability becomes much easier then. We have no nothing to hide uh, as we move forward. But it's an ongoing daily thing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I think the word you just said, I think Rose and I might have spoken about this over tea, that um, there's nothing to hide. Mm. And I think as a leader who is also still a student, you know, learning from the spirit both and, and being in that age where I'm in between, you know, a generation coming behind me and ones that have followed before me. I think this is the tension I feel in these circumstances we're dealing with. Those that came before me, I, I grew up in a holiness church. Yes. You know, I grew up in a church where um, we did believe we could live holy. And, yeah. you know, maybe in extreme ways, I, I did have the women who didn't wear pants and we yes. couldn't go to the movies. And, and I know people don't realize I grew up that way, but I did. 
Um, and that wasn't healthy in many ways because we learned to walk in self-righteousness. Mm. And then yeah. there was no safe place yeah. when there was sin or struggle. We just expected everybody to be perfect. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, um, you know, a church I grew up in, our, our own pastor, you know, had a great moral failure in that environment. So, you know, he might not have wore his wedding band, but he was privately struggling. Mm. Then I look at the generation coming behind me, and I do feel like we have come out of the grips of religion, but now there is no holiness. That's right. And it's almost like any expectation of standards is mm-hmm. categorized as religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so trying to lead the next generation, I'm still struggling to try to find that balance mm-hmm. of God does expect us to live righteous by the Spirit, mm-hmm. not in our own efforts. Um but you don't want people to have to hide their faults. That's the only way they find freedom. Mm-hmm. And looking at the pattern of so many that have fallen in my lifetime, yeah. I feel like it could have been prevented if there was a safe place for restoration. Sure. But at the same time, we don't want to flaunt sin to make mm-hmm. it seem as if it's no big deal, you mm-hmm. know, and that um, that being perfect is unattainable. So how would you speak to that, uh, just really especially to a younger generation coming behind us? What is that balance between, yes, God expects you to live right, but you probably won't live perfect all your life. And what mm-hmm. do you do when you find yourself in a cycle mm-hmm. of the need of repentance? Sure. Yeah, for me, relationship is one of the major keys that would help us, all of us, um, and because there, there is accountability in that. Uh, and not sort of a strict relationship as I'm watching everything you're doing and you're doing it wrong. Not that type of relationship. I mean, I, I think I touched on it the other night. The, uh, the, Celt, the Celtic people had what they called a soul friend. And the soul friend, it was kind of like, you know, you shared your greatest weakness with them. But they also shared their weaknesses with you to say, listen, this is how God got me through. And I think if you've got a relationship with some, you won't have that relationship with everyone. We know that. But you will have some and you should have some that can you can be you with and say, I'm struggling with this, can somebody pray with me? Because there's weakness in all of us. And I don't think, even generational weakness in all of us, that's why it's so important to deal with generational sin. Um, for me, if we need the, those people around us that are watching for us, like the Jonathans, that are going to have our back. They're going to say, now listen, you're just ever so slightly off here, you need to get back on track here, because I can see that that's a pattern starting to form. Mm-hmm. You know, like th- that word I just re- read from Margaret Thatcher, you know, you know, what habits are we getting into? So if you're in a strong relationship with people around you that are watching your walk as such, not to condemn you, but to help you, to cor- help correct you. I, for me, in this season, you know, very often, you know, people want to go to lunch with you. Well, I want to know who's in war with me. I want to know who's going to be in war with me when I need war and over what's going on with my life. Because he comes at the most subtle times. You know, you're not expecting it. Very often it's a weak moment in your life or a vulnerable season you're going through and all of a sudden he'll come in. But it's a pattern that can come out of that is the worrying thing. You know, if you don't deal with it in that moment, you don't have that voice of correction in that moment, then that's when the pattern Mm. starts. That's when the year, month after month, year after year thing happens. And that's the scary part because at that stage, you know, the enemy is building you the platform. The Lord's building you the platform, but the enemy's also walking alongside you. And all of a sudden, he'll come and kick the feet from under you in a very crucial moment where you're influencing many, many people. And that is where we need, I believe, it all starts with relationship. 
people around you that yeah, help keep you accountable. That will hold you accountable. Yeah. I think something you said is very important for leaders to hear, and at least as a leader, I receive that, is that it's more than an action, it's a pattern. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that um, the enemy will wait until the weapon is most potent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just wondering if that is the pattern that we see. It feels like... Um, you know, that when anyone in our nation becomes an, an influential yes. um, place, you can almost count down to when something's going to happen yeah. where we find out they're not perfect. And I think as a leader, that's a great warning to understand that over our lifetime, the enemy will outweigh us and we will ignore small things in the beginning. Yeah. That's right. And you think that getting away with it may be God not caring about it, but mm-hmm. it's really the enemy storing it storing up it. for the most potent moment. And that that daily sweeping of the ashes and dealing mm-hmm. with things at the root mm-hmm. is the only way to remain pure and holy. And sure. and do you think that leaders do live in that deception? And I, and I would love for you to go into the story of David and what you shared with me yesterday about sure. the modern church versus the Old Testament church, and we're yeah. not far off. But you know that 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 is part of the deception, as we think, because something doesn't happen immediately yes. that maybe God's okay with it. Sure, yeah. I think um, looking at David, um, it speaks to the potential threat to every significant leader or person of influence in the body of Christ. The reason why David fell into sin is because he should have been at war, but he wasn't. And the time that kings went to war, David was someplace else. And so he wasn't warring. Uh, He was in stand-down mode, and then he saw Bathsheba. Distracted. Distracted. Uh, He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And I think that probably um, became a gradual thing rather than the sudden thing with David where um, he found himself in that moment. And then if you were to ask David the early days of his life, would he ever contemplate the possibility of such a catastrophic decision where two things coincided, a single stop, murder and adultery? He would have been horrified. And yet... This man, after God's own heart, found himself in that place. I think the warning um, evokes two things. It evokes first and foremost an immense compassion uh, for the collapse emotionally of David when Nathan confronts him. Uh, You are the man that's responsible for all of this. And then also the restoration, the compassion that uh, he receives from the Lord And it leads him to author, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, one of the most sublime psalms in the book of Psalms, Psalm 51, which is spoken out of a place of brokenness and restoration. Um, But he didn't have to go there, and that's the point. Mm. And so Psalm 51 is not an insurance policy, it's not an alibi, it's a warning uh, and uh, also brings comfort to those that have fallen, but it's not permission. And I think if we, uh, well, thinking about young people who are becoming, in the process of becoming leaders, um, to return to something you said earlier on, in the class today, I said, okay, I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking this question. Imagine that you're a Christian, you've lived your Christian life, and you're now a grandmother or a grandfather. What advice would you give to your grandchildren uh, that will help them get through? And I think if we occupy that place and we abide in that place, 
then everything else falls into place because the wisdom that you would give would be the life experiences that you've witnessed in other people's lives or your own life, and you would do everything in your power to warn your grandchildren, don't do this, watch for this, be aware of this. That's a place of vulnerability. And uh, the other thing that I said was, years ago, what we call sin has now become optional Mm -hmm. in the eyes of many. Mm And to return to that very narrow field of life called the Bible, which is absolute (laughs) freedom, but it has boundaries. And um, the other thing I want to say is as far as leaders are concerned, I know not every leader is married and there are some are single. Uh, But as a married person, um, myself and and Rose are accountable to one another. And uh, we confess things to one another. We share secrets with one another. And we extend grace and forgiveness towards one another. And if you cultivate that lifestyle as a married couple, then you're in a very, very safe place um, because you know that there is grace, there's forgiveness, there's also accountability and challenge and conviction all rolled into that relationship. Isolation, I think, is the fertile field of... uh, It becomes the devil's opportunity. And so even if you're not married, I think there are relationships that can prevent a catastrophic David-like mm. in the extreme situation developing because people notice things. You know, see them at yourself today. Okay, uh, I'm just sensing in the spirit, is everything okay? It provokes a conversation. And there's an old saying, a stitch in time saves nine. So catching things early, even when they're developing. And I remember um, a leader years ago, I think it was at a leadership course, it was about 30 years ago, and he was being very honest and candid, and he was traveling alone apart from his wife, and he was surfing through the channels on the TV, and there was um, uh, an unhealthy uh, channel that he stopped on and rested on. It wasn't edifying, and uh, he felt he was drawn to it, and then the Holy Spirit said, you need to phone your wife and confess that. Wow. And so he phoned his wife, used the name, he said, I just want to tell you what I've just done. Uh, And uh, he had a conversation there and then, nipped it in the bud, it was dealt with. And I appreciated that man's vulnerability to share, but also the supreme strength of his exhortation as a warning Mm -hmm. that actually you can do these things um, with, not do these things, you can share these things or confess these things with a safe person. And there's healing and restoration in that precise moment that things don't have to go the distance. No. Wow. That's a transparency though, isn't it? And I think as leaders, there hasn't been a lot of that, that actually we're just normal people with temptations like everybody else. And it's wonderful to hear people come out and say, now listen, this did happen to me and this is the solution to that in that particular case. You know, it is that kind of here I am. I'm always saying to, to our people, do you know what? Like I said the other night, we're only one step away from falling. We one are. step, you know? Well, I think it's so crazy what you pointed out and what we kind of started with too. It, you know, seed seeds that are planted in the ground need a certain environment to grow, whether yes. it's orange trees or purple irises or whatever it is. And it seems like sin and character flaws and bondage only grows in darkness. And when it is, you know, what you just said, when it was confessed in the moment, it was dealt with. It didn't have to be fed to grow for 10 years. Um, And as I was reminded, um, as you were saying that, um, that, 
I think it's one of your dear friends, John Bevere, wrote a book many years ago that, and I've, I've never forgotten this process. I apply this to my own life, and I just heard you give this process um, in talking about David and then your friend. He said that when um, leaders are struggling or they're in disobedience, or you know, it might not be sin, it might just be disobedience to the will of the Lord, that the Lord will always use the three Ps. This is what he calls it. Number one is personal conviction, that the Holy Spirit always speaks to us personally. And I do think that's the heart of God. I do think the nature of the church in our nation at times is exposure. The goal is exposure. But the Lord's goal is always covering. Yes. Um, I don't think it's ever his heart. Um, and he'll always personally convict, such as your friend, who yes. it never went any further because yes. he heeded the conviction of the Lord. Yes. Um, but then in the life of David, where not only did he not heed personal conviction, we're mm-hmm. not sure by Scripture what might have happened, but we just know he didn't take care of it himself. Right. And he even went deeper in. Uh, the next P is the voice of the prophet, mm-hmm. that God will send an external party. you know. Mm-hmm. And in the Bible, it was a prophet, but this might be the soul friend. God yeah. will send someone. These are the prophets we're scared of at church that read our mail. you know, <laughs> Not yes. in front of people, but someone that will say, I'm burning for you, or is, is this struggle going on? Or they might have a direct word sure. like Nathan. Um, and that worked for David. You know, David, like you said, he mm-hmm. crumbled at mm-hmm. the voice of the prophet. Um, and I think it's important um, for my children to know and the church world to know that the third P is God's last option, and that is public exposure. Right. And that only comes when we have seared our ability to hear the Lord and we have rejected the yes. voice of others. Yes. And that when something gets to the level of public exposure, that is not where God started with that. Yeah. But it is the destination of any leader sure. that does not listen to accountability. And I thought that helped me because I actually feel like the church does it backwards sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, that sometimes mm-hmm. we start with public exposure and and then, you know, we right. then we try to deal with the person individually. So I think I'll steer it this way until we run out of time. Mm. What would you say in mm-hmm. that process, the goal of all of those, all three Ps, is mm-hmm. restoration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and when you talked about the life of David... Mm-hmm. I don't know if David would have survived the modern day church. I'm just trying to think right. if David was a pastor uh-huh. and he had an affair and he murdered someone, mm-hmm. I don't know if he would ever be put behind a pulpit again. No. I don't know if anybody would have confidence. And that's difficult to say. I'm not winking at sin, but mm-hmm. in God's economy, he never left his kingship no. and he continued. There were consequences. Right. What is the balance of that? And, and what do you think is what God has in mind in restoration when we do see the failure of leaders or failure of people that are leading us, um, what what can the church do to improve in that in that area? That's a really good question, isn't it? I think I think there are principles. I'm not sure there's one size fits all. Um, it's an invitation to a process first and foremost, uh, which is um, absolute honesty, clarity, nothing hidden. Uh, everything is out there in the open. Once it has come to that point of exposure, there's no place to hide. So you then have to um, do something that is very difficult for leaders, and that's submit your life to your peers, or at least a group of people that the Lord has put around you Wow! Yeah. for a kind of redemptive, interrogative, ongoing process to weed out root and branch the cause of what happened in the first place. And I think there's always a ministry uh, that's available. We think in terms of ministry as being behind the pulpit or teaching publicly. 
And maybe there are certain circumstances where that's no longer an option in the way and the format that it once was. But there are also life lessons that can be taught and never more so powerfully than the person that's just experienced that. And so if you witness a broken, restored person really being like a, a warning signal to the body of Christ, look, this is what can happen, and they are prepared to do that, I think that's invaluable because it means that actually God has taken something that has been catastrophic and he's turned it around and he has mobilized it against the enemy who created it in the first place. Uh, I'm also mindful, and I think this came up in conversation the other day, that there's, there's two parts to it. It's not just the restoration of the leader. It's also dealing with the restoration of those that had that leader on a pedestal. Mm. And wow. there are some things you can't sweep under the carpet. And, and what I would say to, to people who are listening um, is particularly younger people, when we're all growing up in the faith, we have those that we look to, that are like the father or mother figures. And I think, Rose, you had made, or somebody had made the point, uh, point, there's a difference between disillusionment and disappointment. And I think a lot of people in situations where a leader has fallen in sin, they can be tempted to be disillusioned, which means that they throw the baby out with the bathwater, right. that everything that that person has taught, everything they represent, I'm having nothing to do with that. Again, Sorrow. the reason for that is they haven't realized that they've idolized that person. And so when the idol falls, everything else falls. But the person that's disappointed has been able to separate the really good God-given teaching that that person has brought, yes. recognize that the best of men are men at best or the best of women are women at best. And whilst they personally have maybe imploded and fallen in a moral sense, the teaching came from God. And I think sometimes God would say, okay, this person has fallen, but don't include my gracious anointed teaching that came through that person wow. as part of the implosion. It's not, it's separate. Mm -hmm. I think it's a place of safety. It also affords people the, the right to be disappointed and hurt, but also to cling on to the clear biblical teaching that came through that person. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. And then you can start moving forward with a heart of compassion towards the individual that's, that's reached that point. But again, I, for me, it, it is very disappointing when it happens. But I also, the first thing that we must do as believers is extend forgiveness. Yes. Because what, what are we? Every day we sin. There's no like, oh, there's a massive sin and here's a little sin and I'm not as bad as them. We sin just means to miss the mark. So that might have been a big mark, but it might have been a small mark today for me. But, you know, so why can't I look to a, a person who's had a weak moment or moments and go, God, have mercy. And whatever they've taught, whatever they've displayed, whatever they've written, whatever they've recorded, whatever, that is still valid mm -hmm. because it's changed my life. How do I know my Savior? And I think we need to know a little bit more about ourselves in these seasons. What is my weak area? Where might I fall? Let the Lord highlight some things in us and not judge. You know, we've got to reach out. We've got to restore. We've got to touch that broken brother or sister. 
bring them back into the fold, love them and see them fulfill their destiny. Why can't they fulfill their destiny? Right. You know, very often we rule them out of, just out of the history book. And I don't, I don't see that. Like you said earlier, they're in the word of God. I see God is a God of reconciliation. If the person is willing to do what you said, to yield, to submit, to fall on their face before the Lord and say, Jesus, you need to help me. I mean, there's, there is that. I mean, my goodness, look at the words full of people who got it wrong, but he still used them. Yeah, yeah he would have even spared Sodom and Gomorrah if there had just been 10 right. righteous. So right. Right. we do we do mismeasure we do. God's mercy. But I think um, just to highlight some of the things that I would like to end with prayer, I want to keep you all here two hours, but I know you have such <laughs> a busy schedule. I just want to highlight if you're a leader in any realm, and I think moms are leaders, dads are leaders. You don't have Absolutely. to be on a pulpit Absolutely. to be a leader. Absolutely. I want to highlight we're going to all become Irish and we're going to get soul friends. Yes. So if you heard <laughs> nothing on. else, make sure you're not alone and that you have a soul friend and that if you do find yourself in a place of struggle, bring it to the light. It cannot live any longer self-exposure. You know, So if you're watching and there are patterns, listening and there's patterns developing in your life, find a safe place where you can be real and bring it to the light and submit to accountability. And then I think just what you all have ended with is so impactful. Some may not like that I'm going to say this, but ministry and identity are two different things. Right. And a person can be imperfect and still used by God. Right. And just because a person falls doesn't mean the fruit of anything that came That's from their true. life has to fall. Right. And I love how you said it, um, Kevin, is that we we act like God fell, but he didn't. The, exactly. the deliverer of the message did or yes. the, the instrument being used, and God still loves them, but mm-hmm. the word and the fruit stands true. Yes. And for whatever reason, it's difficult for us to separate that. And um, we think God only uses people that are perfect or that his word is not effective if they're not. Sure. And I think we would be shocked yeah. to know um, how God works and that we have to separate ministry and identity. Yes. Um, so what I would like, any closing thoughts that you have you can share and then just pray uh, for all those listening. Um, and then I hope we can do this again. It might not be in person, but we'll do it through Zoom. Yes. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Today. So I just want to give you the ability to close and pray. Thank you. Well, I think really the things that we've talked about are done in compassion and uh, we need to locate everything right there with a sense of uh, absolute scriptural wisdom too. So, Father, we thank you for our time and the way the discussion has gone today. And we do, Father, ask that you would help us to look through the lens of scriptural spirituality at every circumstance that contains the whole range of the way you deal with humankind. Mm. Conviction, discipling, discipline, uh, even exposure, Lord, but always with a view to redeeming people and situations. So, Father, there may be people listening Mm -hmm. that are experiencing things directly or have been impacted indirectly by some of the things that we have shared today. And I pray that they will be baptized with the grace, the wisdom, the strength, the power of God, and that you, dear Holy Spirit, would lead them along that right path, Mm. paths of righteousness and restoration and strength and wisdom. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. And I just want to add this before Rose prays, as Pastor Kevin was praying, I do feel like the Lord is reaching someone's heart right now. Mm -hmm. I know I feel the fear of the Lord in this room and like a flashlight on my own heart. 
Um, and if you're listening, I believe the Lord did send this podcast as an intervention in seed form. Whatever it is the enemy is trying to capture you by, ensnare you by, hinder your future by, um, I feel like today the Lord is providing you with a pathway of hope and mm-hmm. strategy to prevent future destruction. So if that is you, I just encourage you to stop and heed the word of the Lord um, and move quickly in steps of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Find that person and let the Holy Spirit cleanse you because I do believe that today is a day of intervention from a future trap. And the Lord ordered your steps to hear this um, because he loves you and he has mercy on you. He does not judge you. And today, these are words of life, even though uh, they might be producing some weightiness in your heart. I feel so strongly right now that God is intervening on someone's behalf and he is just asking you to stop and heed his word. Look at the pattern of David. Weep and repent immediately. Pick yourself up and get back on the right path. He is not finished with you. This will not be the end of you, um, but it must be exposed to light. So that's my encouragement to you today is bring it to light. Mm. Go ahead, Rose. Why don't you close us in prayer also? And for that person listening, I strongly feel it that there's someone listening who's been so discouraged and so disillusioned by what's been being exposed in the last year or two in the body of Christ, and you've almost walked away. The Lord says to you today, it's a day to return. Don't look to man, yes. look to me. Focus your face like flint because I have a destiny call on your life. And you looking at that person was good in that season, but today the Lord says it's time to return. The prodigal has to return. So you, I know that you're listening. I feel it so strongly in my heart Jeez. that there's a prodigal listening and you've been discouraged, you've been disillusioned, you've looked to the person and not to the Lord alone. And the Lord says to you, I have need of you. Come back, my son. I believe it's a, uh, I believe it's a man strongly that's listening today. Come back, my son, because I have need of you. Thank you, Father. Call them home. We call them home and into the light in Jesus' name. Mm. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you so much for these words of life today. Thank you for listening. Um, and we just pray the Lord breathes on it. So have a wonderful day.